Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another very exciting episode of Between the Lines. I'm your host, IPK. We've got a lovely show packed to today. We're going to be talking about a lot of things. Man City keeps on winning. Uh, we're going to be touching on it. Potter seems like in serious soup. They've spent a zillion pounds and six losses in the last nine games. We're going to be touching on that. We're we'll touching on what's going on. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In La Liga, Real Madrid lost. Barcelona is still about to play Atletico. We'll also talk one or, uh, one or two games that's happening in Syria. Juve can't stop winning. They've won eight straight games and a clean sheet. And eight straight clean sheets. We'll talk about that. We have a lot of games to talk about. Now, Miyosaka resigns or you know gets out of the Australian Open. We what's draw. going on? Draws from the Australian Open. What's going on? We're going to talk about what's happening in the NBA. And we might touch on the NFL. So let me start with you, Lashen. What's up? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, not a lot of football I played over the weekend because of FA Cup games. But, uh, well, not a lot of Premier League football. But yeah, there's been uh, more sports. So yeah, I'm just good waiting for next weekend's roll around when I guess Premier League comes back with uh, in full force. But generally good. Hey, why? Uh, yeah, man. Um, well, nothing special during the week. So, uh, United winning, it's normal now. Celtic, <laughs> it's normal now. So, I still drop back. So, good news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, okay. Um, back from his hiatus. Follow what's up with Liverpool. Um, I don't know. For Liverpool, the problems are a lot, and um, um, it seems like um, the squad is aging, and there's so many issues, especially in the midfield. But um, they're hoping that um, maybe one or two guys can come in uh, this transfer window. So it's it's really really sad to watch Liverpool play. The intensity, everything. The last game was horrible. Um, I, I can't see the light, especially in that midfield. It's horrible. And, um, most of the players, um, the top players, are also injured. So everything is not just not there's no balance in that team. And um, hopefully they can get in one or two midfielders this um, transfer window to just boost the squad. Um, I just need to be hopeful. Maybe top four can still be a reality, but um, it doesn't seem like it. And and good. Good works to um, oh. Arsenal and um, Man City and Man- Manchester United also, who have just been going back to back, getting games, Blackford doing well. But for Liverpool, it's just really sad. And I'm, I'm still quite hopeful if top four can be a reality. Oh, all right. And we're introducing a new member of the panel. He's, um, his name is Ramsey. He's an Arsenal fan as well. Which I'm, I just don't know how, how how possible we have a couple of Arsenal fans, but he's an Arsenal fan as well. So Ramsey, what's up? Hi, I'm making my baby on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm an Arsenal fan, and it's a good time to be an Arsenal fan. To be very honest, uh, I just heard something that when is normal at Manchester United. That's strange. I haven't heard that since Ferguson left. That's really. <laughs> <laughs> 
for us now, yeah, I, I just want everybody to understand that uh, a lot has changed, really. Yes, we're going to stay humble because this is football. A lot of things can change uh, at any point in time. But again, for us now, uh, a lot of things as well. So, Arsenal played Newcastle and intended in a goalless draw. The Arsenal of old, a lot of people be like, wow, Clancy, great, awesome. But guess what? Everybody was angry because they thought that was two points to drop. Not a point game. No, it was two points to drop because Arsenal should have won. Uh, on the balance of play, Arsenal played very well. Really, really well. Manchester, uh, Newcastle dropped their attacking game at home. They came to defend. They defended really, really well. And I, I want to really applaud them because this Newcastle is here to stay. This Newcastle is going to rock lots of feathers. Trust me. Yes, you can look at the referee and say uh, maybe Arsenal should have gotten a penalty. I agree too, but that was for the Gabriel incident, not for the handball at the death. I don't think that's a penalty. I do not think that's a penalty. That was. Oh, I think sorry, we've lost him. Um, let's we'll, we'll get back to Ramsey. Um, Olashem, can you can you read out some of the results? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, Ramsey just started talking about it. So obviously, during the week there was Premier League games. Uh, prior to the Arsenal Newcastle game that he he was touching on, there was Brentford against Liverpool. Brentford beat Liverpool. Uh, commiserations to, to follow. I think that's what he was talking about uh, uh, with 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 the with the, with, with, with the team. It's funny though because you know, follow and other Liverpool fans will talk about uh, Liverpool's midfield and they've gone out to sign Gakpo, and um, it's it's just confusing because like I, I don't get why that that signing was made. But I guess we'll get we'll get into that. Um, the next game was yeah, obviously Arsenal against Newcastle 0-0 Manchester United beat Bournemouth uh, 3-0 Rashford got a goal again he's on I think it's like what six games or seven games scoring streak I, I could be wrong about that but he's, he's on a he's on a good run of form right now as are uh, United generally they are, they are on a good winning winning streak uh, good for them um, Crystal Palace lost to Tottenham Tottenham uh, winning 4-0 um, that was on Wednesday. Chelsea lost to Manchester City on Thursday, uh, 1-0. And then they just lost again today in the FA Cup, 4-0. So, you know, not a good, you know, sequence of results for Graham Potter. I guess, as you mentioned, we'll get into it. Talking about Graham Potter's, um, Graham Potter's uh, his role at the job and just Chelsea in general. But yeah, that that's what happened over the weekend. And then in the FA Cup, United won again against Everton. 3-1 um, and then as you mentioned in, in La Liga Villarreal beats Real Madrid 2-1 and uh, just today as I mentioned as we we're talking about sorry um, Masti bit, bit um, Chelsea 4-0 and then the last one I guess I mean we haven't it hasn't started yet but it's going to be Atletico Madrid against Barcelona but it's, it's just after this recording finishes so we won't be able to analyse it but yeah that's just been the games over the, the week slash weekend Okay. Uh, well, let's let's start. Let's start with. Um, I want to. I want to start with the. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me start with the um, Liverpool game. Three one. We all know what we all know. What Brentford does. Cross. They have two centre forwards who who are Rams who can you know battering Rams, but Ivan Tony wasn't playing so. And they have him Mbwemo, very sleek. He plays like a street footballer, you know, he has all the streaks, he goes all over the place, almost like like a supporting striker. He's a supporting striker, plays like Griezmann, left-footed. 
and then they just ran all over. Um, it was Mbwemo and Wasa also. Wiza also, yeah. And then they just ran. Yeah, Wiza. And they ran all over Liverpool. This guy had to sub Van Dijk out at halftime, which I felt it was, you know, I felt it was a tactical change, but alas, he, he was really injured. You know, they just looked off the pace. They didn't look like they knew they prepared for the game. They didn't look like they knew that this is their strength. Bradford is not going to pass you out of the park. They're just going to cross the ball, put the ball behind because you play a very high line. So they'll put the ball behind, allow you to chase. And then this Liverpool defence can't defend. And of course, they can't defend one year. And then the midfield doesn't protect. Uh, I, I think I think, I think think we lost my brother. But yeah, um, talking about... Liverpool, I guess, is full. Is going to be is going to be full of strength of. Uh, he he's the one that watches Liverpool the most, so he will have the most insights of it. So yeah, let's start with the Brentford Liverpool game. Um, yeah, they won three one. Fulu, talk us through uh, Liverpool. What what what's wrong with them? You, you mentioned you mentioned the midfield. Where I just I, a couple of years ago, it was Fabinho, um, uh, Henderson, and Vinaldum. They replaced uh, one of them with. Uh, Thiago, why isn't that good enough? What, what's wrong with Liverpool's midfield right now, Fulu? Well, well, if, if you ask me, I'll tell you that a lot has changed really again. If you look, I, I want to believe that they're tired. Uh, the inverted triangle that they had six years ago when they did the social distancing thing, I think it doesn't work anymore. They've been found out. And uh, Fabio is not who we thought who he was anymore. Look at the World Cup, he was benched for Casemiro. And then look at Thiago Alcantara, he's not fit enough. Anderson is old, Elliot is inexperienced. So they probably need to bring in new bodies. Uh, Navigator is never fit. So uh, everybody knows what to do, but they don't have the legs anymore. That's what I think for Liverpool. And if they cannot get that midfield to start working again, they will not dominate games like they used to. That pressing that we know them for, these are the guys that were doing it. They don't have the legs anymore. Fitness is no longer there. They are, they are, they are not fit as they were at that time. And if you look at it, uh, the tactics, I think everybody now mamas them in such a way that you cannot turn. You don't have the time to think on the ball anymore. People close you down. And before you know it, they, they take the ball off you. And after that, you probably concede for me. That's what happened against Brentford. It will continue to happen. They found this Liverpool out. They must reinvent themselves. Probably re-engineer the midfield. If the midfield doesn't start kicking, they will keep losing. Okay, nice. Uh, Falu, want to hear your thoughts on it because this, this, I mean, this is your side. So, what do you think the problems? I mean, I like I, I said at the top of the show, uh, I was surprised about the Gakpo signing and they, they haven't addressed the, the midfield uh, issue, which is so evident for everybody. Uh, why Gakpo? Like, why why, why do you think Klopp doesn't seem to think that is an issue there? I mean, I mean that's what you see from his transfer, the, the transfer of, of an attacker, not a midfielder. So why do you think he's not addressing the issue of the midfield? Yeah, concerning the signing Gakpo, first of all, I think um, he was just a steal. Um, it was they needed someone who was available to just come in. Uh, it was not. I don't think he was really needed. In as much as um, Diaz is out at the end of the season, and um, Jota is, we are not sure when he'll be back. Um, they say three, four weeks, which um, he could go back. And um, 
really there's no one really who can play um the right wing so i think that's probably why then for the midfield where the main issues well it's not just the midfield um van dyke himself uh doesn't have the legs again so even his coordination has been really poor uh since returning back from the um eight months injury he had and um Yes, well, but he's just thirty-one. He's not thirty-seven. This is somebody yes. who had, they've been saying is the greatest defender since whatever you know, Barresi and all those kind of things. That's what the Premier well, League and been well, saying all the kind of rubbish. Uh, there's a lot happening to the squad, and for Van Dijk, his ability to read the game has not been optimized at all. And also, I think even the old defense. We cannot just dwell on the midfield because the defense see someone like Trent, who has only two assists this season and a goal. That's not Trent. Um, that's this is probably his worst season ever. Uh, and um, when you look at Fabinho, where he was really one of the best midfielders in the world. And then um, for Brazil, normally even when he was at his peak, he wasn't starting. Casemiro has always been starting in that team, so um, I, I can't use that against him because really he doesn't even start in that role but um i think and when you look at tiago which is the most consistent midfielder that we have so far this season he's really a fancy player you see him um you enjoy tiago when your team is really doing well you enjoy his passes his style um and also we don't really have any technical midfielder again um tiago is also the most technically gifted player we have in that attacking role the midfield so um you also look at um likes of Anderson who has not been consistent injuries and the whole team in fact when you look at the young stars in the midfield are a lot he's playing out of position really he doesn't it's not a midfield he's not a CM so and he's quite inexperienced and Curtis Jones we need to be sure we know he's just average Keita is not even doing anything. Is he average uh, or below? That's not a Liverpool quality player. Yes, and Ox should have left. Wait, wait, what, what about Keita? Because that's that's a that's a signing. That's club signing. It's different from it's different from uh, Curtis Jones that is coming from the academy or Harvey Elliott. Club uh, actually signed Keita. So what's 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 happening? There? Harvey Elliott. He, he has not played up to three straight games. Harvey Keita since in three years. So even yes, he has the quality, but he doesn't have this consistency. He he, doesn't have I feel I feel if he has been consistent, like not getting all these injuries, he could be a vital part of that squad. But with the injuries, with everything, if you can't play three straight games, I don't think there's any midfielder that you call what class that doesn't play more than three straight games. That plays less than three straight games. So really you don't expect much. So in that midfield, Thiago is the best and is a fancy player. And really, Thiago, you're enjoying when things are going well. And um, I think the only person who is just trying to get in, at the back defense line is um, um, Robertson, which is still not as best, but at least Robertson he has been able to... been out of that lineup this season. He's been exactly. in and out, of the, out because of form. To, to me, Kolu, uh, to me, to, to be very fair, to me, the, the major reason that um, Liverpool haven't picked up, and I think Ewa, you can chime in here, you know, before we move to other other topics, is has been they haven't replaced Ronaldo. You know, Ronaldo's yes. ability to break up attacks was was legendary. 
Ronaldo was the guy who could run box to box in that midfield. They don't have legs. Curtis Jones was supposed to be that guy to come and give them legs in that midfield. They don't have legs in that midfield. Henderson is a solid player. Not a great player, but he's a solid player. He plays a role, you know, he's a holding midfielder, plays that role quite well. Um, Milner could have done it, but Milner is 95. So they don't have that, they don't have that player in that midfield who has who, who has who is an engine. You know, and that was why they, when there was rumours at the beginning of the season for Valverde, it was the kind of midfield that they needed. And I think that that's removing of Ronaldo. Even last season, they, you know, Liverpool's defence was already shaky last season. Yes, they, they won a lot of games, but it has started becoming shaky. And Ronaldo is being removed there, you know, he really collapsed that team. And they haven't replaced that. Well, yes, that's true. You can see that in almost five years, we've only signed two midfielders and none of them can even perform. None of them is doing anything. It's only Thiago that is still, you know, just trying, which he needs legs around him. Thiago doesn't have the legs again. So I think it's just a really, really big problem that we have. In fact, Manny, we're still missing Manny because Manny was like three men pressing doing all of that and we can't really blame Salah because Salah is still Salah yes, scores not as his best Salah he still scores, scores. Exactly. He scores he scores a lot of goals yeah but this season he has not done a lot he has less than 10 Premier League goals and really we know Salah at this stage should have almost 20 goals so no in 16 <laughs> games calm down okay. calm down it's just 16 okay. games calm down well well it should, it should yeah, so, you know he's going to go on a scoring run Salah scores goals he's still scored goals this season the truth of the matter is that Liverpool's transfer windows have always been hit and miss they get some right when they get it right they get it super right but all in, in between those ones they get right they get a lot wrong but because and Klopp has a very nice relationship with the media, so people don't talk about it. It's a real, you know, it's it's hit and miss. They do a lot of hit and miss. Let's move forward to other, um, let's move forward to other topics. Mind you, mind you, they, they keep winning defensively. They've just been solid. I think they've considered one goal in the last eight or nine games. They've been rock solid. It's been ridiculous what they're doing. It's so bad they are even playing Luke Shaw as a centre half and and you know they've not missed a beat. Anyway, mind you. Uh, well, I mean, we we're doing well. We, I think I don't want to exaggerate, but the the opponent, <laughs> the opponents have not been no no the opponents have not been you know the best teams in the league. So, but then again, I mean, you you can only beat the teams. Uh, put in front of you, and we managed to do that quite uh, comfortably. Uh, yeah. Leave Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, and uh, uh, who was the person we played? Burnley, I think. So we beat Burnley first, uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, uh, Bournemouth in the league, and then Everton in the in the FA Cup. So that's a good run of results. And just before the World Cup, we beat uh, Villa, I think. That's uh, a late goal from Ganacho. So it's been a good run. Uh, it not Fulham. Fulham. Was it Fulham? Oh, sorry, that, sorry, that was Fulham. Fulham. Yeah. yeah, that was Fulham. Yeah. So it's been a good run of form for United. Uh, Tenard's uh, tactics have, you know, finally getting through to the lads. He's not uh, afraid to drop Maguire. I mean, eighty million pounds, so he drops him. Uh, 
he's bold also. I mean, he likes the idea of playing a right-footed centre-back and a left-footed centre-back. That's why he's playing... Uh, normally, is Varane and, uh, and Martin. uh, Martinez. But because Martinez came, you know, because Argentina went for the World Cup and all that, he didn't, he didn't return from the World Cup on time. And he played Shaw in that position and worked. Uh, I've always seen Shaw as a potential centre-back. Uh, especially after he lost uh, a bit of pace following the injury, I always liked the idea of him playing from the centre back position. So I'm, I'm glad someone finally listened to Genius. Uh, so <laughs> United are doing well. What can I say? We're doing well right now. We're trying to get uh, try to put some you know finishing touches to the team. Maybe we can get uh, a striker. We're looking at uh, Wagos right now. Uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think he, he presses well from the front. He's a big lad, so he gives us another option up there. If we need, you know, we, yeah, physical presence, we could try a different style of play against certain oppositions. I mean, if you, you know, cross the balls and you have someone there now that can construct, I mean, six foot six. So it's not, it's not a bad idea, it's not, it's not a bad player. Uh, we're still looking at Jao uh, Felix. Uh, I believe if we get Jao Felix, that will probably mean we'll probably sell Elanga. It seems Everton are interested in Elanga. So that would be the. Uh, but now that uh, Van der Beek, Van der Beek is injured, we might also, if possible, look at someone in that midfield. But you never know. You never know. But at the moment, uh, because of uh, how well we're doing. And because Liverpool have been in in disarray, in a state of disarray, Chelsea are struggling, uh, Spurs are struggling. We're looking, we're looking good for you know a top four finish. Yeah. All right. So um, right now, Arsenal's rival, Man City, they played Chelsea, played one nil. Um, they started with you know the the lab. <laughs> I don't know what should I call him. He was just doing some crazy things in that first half. And he gave Chelsea hope. And then in the second half, he just, okay, you know what? Everybody go back to your normal position. And he made the changes. And that is one thing Man City have to me over Arsenal. They can make game-winning changes. And they made the changes, they win 1-0. But this this one in the FA Cup, it was just sad. It was sad. It was sad. Um, Ramsey, Man City. Tight tenders against Arsenal. What's your take on Man City against Chelsea? Well, as a, as a fan, Arsenal is on top of the table, but if you ask anyone, be it a City fan and Arsenal fan in neutral, they will tell you that City has City right to win the title. So I have to bring 200 million worth of players in. And then for Arsenal, if Arsenal does not go into the market this January to reinforce, uh, they, they're going to regret it because they will not win the league with what the team currently has. This is my Arsenal fan. I really want Arsenal to win the title. They are, like, I actually, at the start of the season, I was thinking top four. Yes, top four. If, if Arsenal doesn't make top four, you can fire him. But right now, he's on top of the league. He has gone beyond my expectations. But for Manchester City, they don't have to go into the market for them to actually win the league. All they need to do is just to stop experimenting. Allow these boys to play in their right positions. Uh, stop all this thinking, all this overthinking. They're going to win every game. Arsenal will not win every game. Of course, Manchester City will not win every game. But there are high chances of City winning more games than Arsenal. So, I mean, for them, uh, what I saw today against Chelsea, 
goes again to show that this thing can be anything that they want to be at any point in time. Look at the way they, they started almost the second team and they took Chelsea to the cleaners. So the team is as good as you can imagine. And no matter how you try to sugarcoat things, they're the best in the land. Uh, and Arsenal will always look up to them. But Arsenal has a chance, yes. Fair chance, brilliant chance for them to uh, do the unthinkable because no one expected this at the start of the season. The best you expect was public. But right now, five points on top of the log, you can think that anything can happen. But if anything is actually going to happen for Arsenal, they must go to the market and do something uh, really, really special. But for City, they really do not need to go to the market. They have, they have like typically need position. So what are you saying? Anything they can, they can make it work. They can, they can stop us now. They still have to play twice, and it's just five points. Really, I'm, I'm, I just want to start taking one game at a time, one game at a time, one game at a time, and then uh, they take it up from there. The city has two favorites. Yes. Is is Potter? Is Potter getting sacked in the morning? Uh, uh no, because it's not Abramovich. So I guess I don't know how. Well, we don't. We don't know. Huh? <laughs> but this guy signed some players, spent over two hundred million, and in ten days he sacked. He sacked Tuko. Yeah, uh, I mean. I mean, he's he's uh, he has uh, businesses in America. I'm not. I, I don't follow American sports like that, so I don't know anything about his his track record. So I, I couldn't say. But from what I've seen in, well, we haven't seen him in football, so I don't know how he's going to act. The thing is funny because Potter is going to he's going to point to um, well, I don't know, even United, Arsenal, whatever teams in and around him, and say, look, I need time. But then it's is it's quite difficult for Chelsea fans to give him time because. He's asking for time, but at the same time, uh, Todd Bully is, is spending 200, almost 300 million. I mean, now they are, they are, in, the race, they are in the market for uh, Mudrik as well in, in, you know, in, in competition with Arsenal. They just signed uh, this, some, uh, the Badiashile from, from Monaco. They signed uh, Fofana. They've signed, um, what did they sign? They signed some, some Brazilian dude. Yeah, Andre Santos. So it's like, it's it's quite difficult for the managers to say give me time when they are signing players. I think when Arteta first came, he, he the, the first players that he signed were Cedric, he signed Pablo Mari, he signed you know quote unquote like just you know mid table at 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 the, at, at at the best kind of players. They want quality players, um, so that, that's why it's a little bit difficult for him. Thing is is like we've seen from from Brighton that Potter is a good manager. Um, he's had his sides playing good football but it's fun it's like Chelsea is like a different kettle of fish because these are better players than he's ever had a chance to play uh, uh manage I mean before Brighton I think it was at Oster Sons or some, something like that so this is like the best caliber of players uh that he, he's had under his control so it's going to be it's it's really a different kettle of fish I think the, the uh, on on TV the the pundits was the commentator was saying something like um when it was at Brighton he could tell the players, um, okay, we've come to the Premier League. I think he got them into the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. No, we've come no, to the Premier didn't. League. But was it him? It wasn't him. No, Chris Hilton. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But anyways, what he could tell them was, okay, look, Chris Hilton has gotten you here. I'm going to have... Uh, following my tactic is tactic is, going, is what's going to keep you guys in the Premier League. So there's like that kind of... Um, motivating factor, that kind of incentive. They don't want to go down to the slums of of championship. 
uh when you're managing players like on 200k a week 150k 250k a week in chelsea and you're looking at players like sterling and you're saying oh run this extra five yards or you're telling Havertz that it's coming for 70 million and has scored the winning goals in champions league it's just a different way of managing you know it's not i, I mean obviously i'm not a sports psychologist so I, I couldn't say this for sure but if you're looking at it it's like it's just a different way like and, and they're going to tell you like like you know put your medals on the table type 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 of you know talk is because <laughs> it is it, it's, it's just not he he doesn't have the clout to manage this kind of player so it's kind of tough for him um the thing is like i said at, at the top he's going to ask he's going to ask for time he's just not going to be able to get the time from the chelsea fans because of chelsea fans are looking like yo this is 200 million spent like what are you doing about it so i think he, his best bet now is to almost it's, it's it's kind of messed up to say but almost tell like bully to stop spending and then just say okay look we're not trying to force our way back into the top let's just have these players now let me build something let me like coach from from the ground up and then when we have a good structure in place we can uh we can start spending again but from what we've seen of bully he doesn't seem like the kind of person that is going to stop spending he just it's tracing this like is American sports. He's just trying to buy the the flashy new franchise player, and it's it's going to end badly for for Bully. So uh, I don't expect him to see out the season. To be fair, um, I also I also think in line with what you're okay, saying. Can I ask you a question? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Look. so are you saying that Graham Potter does not know anything about this signing that Bully is doing? I actually don't think I actually don't think he's the one signing them. It's like um uh just even just if you just go on, on Twitter for, for a, a day or two days and just go at Chelsea's uh transfer strategy, I I, I don't think uh or what's his name? Uh um Grand Potter is asking uh Todd Bully to bring in Badia Shile. I don't think uh but uh Todd Bully actually even knows about Badashide from Monaco. It's just this is this could be funny to look at, but I think he's just saying who is a young player from Monaco uh young defenders around yeah. Europe, let me get him in. I think uh can I get a word in? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you, yeah. You have yeah, yeah. Okay. I think we need to understand it's about there's a strategy at play here, right? Yeah. So, uh this person is a new owner. He is more of uh, analytical. He deals more with numbers. It, you know, you want this kind of defender. You want a defender that is tall, that's left-footed, that's quick on the ball, uh, that can press, that can keep the high press. And then you put all those details in your computer and it gives you a list of players that can do it. That's how scouting is done now in modern football. Scouting is no longer... Not no long, well, not completely, of course. After doing that, you probably still send a scout there to go watch uh, the player. But a lot of scouting now is done, you know, that way. So you don't necessarily need to know the player. You get my point. You just need to pull your stats in. Okay, this is the player we, we're looking at, and uh, and then you make a move. Yeah, you, you say that, but sorry, sorry, sorry. Scott, but I just feel like. That that is that is right. I mean, there's the the the, the scouting uh, system for that. I think even Arsenal used to do it. So it was starts DNA. So I know about the numbers thing. It's just like at the end of the day, it's is you still even if a player fits into 
these uh, criterion that he sets on 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 a computer, it still needs to fit into what the manager wants or what the sporting director wants. And if That's Todd Bowley is just putting it into that and then right. enforcing it on his manager, it's you know, it's we're wrong. Not, we're not on the scouting team, so we don't exactly know what parameters they put on the system. I'm just giving you what I how it probably looks. But at the end of the day, this is this is what we're understand. Uh, Bully uh, has brought two other people from Brighton. I think the head of recruitment and uh, I think one of the technical directors is also from Brighton. So that shows you this is more of a long-term plan. It's not necessarily about, okay, we want to get results now and we're not getting results now, so we get rid of this guy. No. Uh, personally, I believe even if he doesn't make the top four, he's not going to be fired. I believe he's going to get away with it this season because he didn't start as manager at the start of the season. He started after the uh, the window had shut. He was employed just after the transfer window shut. So first things first is know his players, and then he came in and he had to change the whole system. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate more on that point. Toko played a system of three at the back throughout last season. The three was usually, or were usually, Aspilicueta, Thiago Silva, and Rudiger. And then he had James on the right wing and Alonso on the left wing. Uh, that's because Chiwell was in there. That was naturally, it should have been more of Chiwell, right? So this is the system to who played. Uh, Potter came in and preferred four at the back. And of course, Rudiger had left, right? Uh, Rich James was injured. Alonso had left, and uh, Chua was bad, but was not fit. So they, there was there there is some Corella, right? Uh, and they had signed uh, Kalidu Kulibali. So if you play four at the back, right, and one of the one of the two central defenders, or two of the central defenders are Thiago Silva and Kulibali, you already you already have a lack of pace, right? Now, right in front of them, ideally, you'd have Kante. But there's no Kante, too, because he's always injured, right? So you have Jorginho and Kovacic, none of who are natural force. So you, you already have a gaping hole in that middle. That's already a problem. Look, I'll tell you, Chelsea's problems are down to three points. And I, I said this at the end of last season, and it still applies now. I said it before Tuchel was sad, and it's still the same problem now. And even if they hire Pep tomorrow, if these three problems are not solved, they're still going to be in the trenches. The first one, Kante's injury. Kante is not fit. You need to get a new screener in that position. A capable screener, not Zakaria. A capable screener like Declan Rice or something. Number two, they're injured wing-backs. Chirwell is not fit. Rich James is not fit. So you have to play, you have to play scissors, Picota two. Cucurella is struggling, obviously. That's another problem. The third one is there's no nine. Right? So they sold uh let me look out was a bust anyway. But they sold uh Timo Werner, right? Who is the nine that's replaced Werner? But there's no creativity for nines. Guys, you know that. What? Chelsea Chelsea have always struggled with nines. They don't don't create for I don't like hearing that. The point is they don't have a nine. They don't have a nine. And Caravet is not a nine. Yeah, yeah. You can do it once in a while, but it's not a nine. So until these three problems are solved, even if they hire Pep, they're going to struggle. 
they've got to replace Kante. I don't see Kante's replacement in all these signings, which tells me in the summer they still got to spend another 80 million to get maybe Declan Rice. Yeah, they still have to wait. Do wait, that. sorry, I just want to push yeah. back on that a little bit. Brighton's yeah. uh, Brighton's thing whole of last season or last couple of seasons was they create so many chances with Graham Potter, but their nine is rubbish. It was, you know, Welbeck and I think before that it was Mopi. And they were always like, oh, we need a striker. We can get a striker. We'll, we'll shoot up like three, four places in the league because we just create so many chances and we just have, can't find somebody to finish. How is it different for Chelsea that now they can't even create any chances and they have, they have a striker in, in Obama yeah. who... Uh, My guy, I'm, I'm sorry to say Chelsea is not Brighton. It's like saying when when David Moyes was at Everton, he had Cahill running from the midfield to get into his box and score headers, or Fellaini as the tall man help out in front. And then he came to United and started trying the same thing. It's not the same club. It's not the same di- dynamics. It's not the same. You can't say because one system was what you tried in Brighton and they tried to put the same thing, the same blueprint to Chelsea. Come on. It's not the same. It's not the same. Okay. They need to go out there and get a nine. I don't know the nine they're gonna get. Unfortunately, how, how is a nine going to solve the chance creation problem? We we just saw the game against uh Man City just today. They had 0.0 XG. Uh, of, granted, it is Man City, but they created no chances. You can't use that to judge them. You can't use the Man City game to judge, to judge them. You can't use that to judge them. You have to you have to have a more realistic approach to everything. United lost six one to Man City, right? Or six two, right? So, but, uh-huh. so you can't say that's the that's the way to look at United this year. You have to you have to be more realistic. Chelsea okay. need to get a nine. <laughs> okay, okay. They need to replace Kante. They need to have better wing back. Badiashio is a good is a good signing. When Badiashio was at Monaco, he played in the back four. He was the left centre back. Yeah, uh, defence line was uh, Noble in goal. Uh, Van Dersen at the right. Disasi. Uh, uh and Enrique. And that worked well. I don't um, like this. I'm not I'm not a Chelsea fan. I don't like this Kulibali Thiago Silva thing. It can't work. Kulibali is not fast. He doesn't have the pace to for the premiership for uh, for, for the league. He's, he's clumsy. He's gonna make rash tackles because he's gonna get beaten for pace and skill. So you need someone that's more energetic, that is faster, that is gonna but be it, but more it just of a, signed for fun. More of a, more of a protege. Fofana is injured. Is Fofana playing? Is is Fofana this the same uh, knee injury? I think he broke his knee or something like that. Yeah, I think he has an ankle injury now. Okay. You no, know, he had an ankle injury at Leicester and he has a knee injury now. So what happens to Chaloba? Exactly, there's still Chaloba. Like, I think, there's, I, think there's I, players. See, I see, I see, I see Chaloba more as a right back. I oh. see him more as a right back. So I think oh. at the end of the day, I think it's going to be if everyone is fit, it's going to be Rhys James. Thiago Silva or with James Fofana, Badiashio, and Cucurella, if everyone is fit. But I don't think everyone is going to be the way it is. I don't think everyone is going to be fit. So, uh, Riz is out. Riz James is out for another month. I think ideally I'll play Chaluba there over Caesar as we request, depending on who they are playing. But I think it's going to, I think it has to be Thiago Silva and Badiashio because. You can't keep playing Kulibali. It's going to cost you points. We saw that today. It's just, yeah, it's an accident waiting to happen. So, yeah. I, I would say, though, right. I think the last thing, just sorry, before we continue, the reason why I, I do agree on the point about um, uh, 
you know fight trying looking for players and you know using you know the the database that that these 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 clubs have access to 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 find the players that you need with certain uh characteristics reason why i think it's a little bit um i think it's a little bit random from from bully and it's not really aligned with with his his management is because um we've seen over the past couple of transfer windows i think the first one was uh when arsenal was was going for the reason why i know this because i i guess most of these players are players that arsenal are going for as well the arsenal was going for rafinha at the time and then he was it was almost going to come through to arsenal and then chelsea coming because like you know it's like right why are you trying to gas on this deal and then obviously you know Barca comes in and then he goes then mudrick now is coming uh arsenal have been you know in the lead for you know two three weeks or whatever Chelsea then coming. Uh the last one was I think this uh, Pedro Porro guy that Tottenham are in 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 um in pursuit of then Chelsea coming. It's like it's like every it's almost like every player the that the rival club is in is like oh Chelsea just comes and I it you cannot help but think that oh this is just looks like uh Bowley sees or oh, who are my rivals looking for? I'm gonna get that. It's it's hard to not think that with uh, that, that I, transfer I, strategy. I, I agree to an extent in uh in the in the summer transfer window. Uh but don't but don't forget the summer transfer window in, uh, sorry. Uh Bully was just taking over and he was trying to get uh the old the old guys out of the place, right? So it was basically just you know trying to get rid of uh Marina, uh, Petrucek and all of them. So he there had to be a system. You had to just come up with a system to sign players. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the most intelligent system. And it also meant they had to overpay. I mean, they overpaid for Ryan Sterling. Well, I wouldn't say they overpaid for Ryan but considering what they're getting, I would say they overpaid. At the point, <laughs> I, it, you know, it didn't look that way at the point, at, at the point of signing, right? Uh, they clearly overpaid for Cucurella. Look, <laughs> as much as we don't like Man City, Man City goes to the transfer window and say, this is the amount we're going to pay for this player. Take it or leave it. I like that about Man City. I, you, you've not noticed that, right? Man City went straight to Brighton and said, look, we're going to bid $45 million for this guy. Take it or leave it. Brighton said, no, they wanted $55 million. And Man City left them. Chelsea went, paid the $55 million, and we're seeing the result now. So I agree with you to an extent that yeah, Bully didn't necessarily have a transfer strategy in summer. Uh, I believe that's one of the reasons they probably had to do it with Toko. They probably crashed over that. But I think now, I think I see more of a strategy now because by their shield, nobody was really trying to sign by their shield. No one was really trying to sign Fofana. No one was really trying to sign Santos. So I think it's uh, when you talk about uh, the Ukrainian guy, then maybe you can say they're interested now. But that could be the, the player's agent offering the player to them and saying, "Okay, look, Arsenal don't want to pay what we want. Do you? We think you need this player. We think ZH wants to leave. Do you like this player? Do you want this player?" And then he's interested. So it might not be necessarily him trying to copy Arsenal. It could be the agent offering him the player. You get, okay. you get. So that that you also have to look at it that way. Agents do that too. My player is available. This is the amount. Do you want to pay? They've offered United. Oh, we don't have. We're not interested. They've offered Chelsea, uh, Tottenham. No, and they're like, and, and Chelsea are like, oh yeah, we need someone. We have problems in our attack. We need someone that could help us. 
So it might not necessarily be him trying to copy us now. It could just be the agent offering the player. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, um, before, yeah, I don't know, man. I didn't know that the Premier League conversation would take this long. But before we, before we leave the Premier League and touch one or two other leagues, um, it, follow. I noticed we just noticed that um, um, what's his name? The Champs has signed a new four-year deal. He's going to the next World Cup. Um, Zizou had been waiting for that job since. Now with the Chelsea, you know, misbehaving and Liverpool probably misbehaving. Does this put more fire like in their bomb bombs? All the top clubs know that almost Zizou is Zizou is waiting now. The, you know, the France job is not available anytime soon, at least for the next four years. You know, so what's so Zizou, Zizou, Zizou? Um, I'm not really sure about what the intentions are or um, what is really going to happen. I'm actually not even dwelling on that, honestly, right now because my problems are more, <laughs> but um. <laughs> But um, I'm still just hopeful, and um, I really don't know what that will mean until the things are, until the whole speculation is really clear on um, on what on the next step. So I think by uh, for this discussion, uh, I think by the end of the transfer windows, we'll be able to dwell more on that. So I'm not really sure on the effects of that right now, and um, my issues, the issues with Chelsea and Liverpool are extreme right now. Because um, they are not careful, even the Europa, they won't make it. So um, right now, uh, I think by the end of the transfer windows, we'll be able to um, really speak more on that. Okay. So, so Ramsey, why I'm asking this question as well is because you know we all know what European money brings in, as in European league money brings in to the clubs. So if Liverpool and Chelsea are looking and you say, you know. Let's make Europe next year. We are going to lose out on this amount of revenue. We know Liverpool is up for sale. We know Chelsea have just been picked up. And as much as we want, we want to say this, these guys are in business of making money. And who is the best manager on the market right now that can? Who has won Champions League? Who, as he comes into the dressing room and he just sits, enters that dressing room, everybody sits up. Zizou is going to be an option or, or not, right? Ramsey. Yes, uh, Zanedine Zidane is actually the only name that comes to mind for Chelsea. But if you ask me, I really don't think Chelsea should fire Graham Potter. Uh, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. Firing managers is never a silver bullet to success. Uh, I, I can understand how Chelsea fans feel. Ibrahimovic spoils them. That's the reason why they feel that it's their birthright to win trophy almost every season. Uh, we are in the project era. Look at Arsenal. If Arsenal had fired Arteta when he went 10 games with just one win uh, two seasons ago, I'm not sure Arsenal fans would be enjoying it and have mouth to bant or drag any other team right now. I am strongly of the opinion that Grand Potter would come good. He's that kind of manager that I have so much belief. In fact, I didn't want Chelsea to sign him. I wanted them to go for Pochettino so that they can learn the hard way, so that we can laugh at them. What they're currently going through now, I think it's just the fact that uh, Potter is settling and injuries. There is no team in the world that, we, that will have the amount of injuries that Chelsea has at the moment and they will be fine. Trust me. Uh, they're losing players almost every day. They have about 10 key players uh, on the injury table. 
what do you expect? So for me, I think they should be patient with Potter. They should all the signings. Like what what the point I was trying to make before is, I do not think the owner will sign a player that the manager does not approve of, except the owners are planning to sack the manager. If they don't want to sack the manager, they should only give the money. They would only give the manager the kind of players that the manager wants to play with. They won't sign Badia Shield without the manager wanting him. That is my opinion. Except you want to fire the manager, then I can understand. If you're not firing the manager, you want to work with this manager, you want the manager to work with the player that you're bringing in, then you cannot bring a player that the manager doesn't want. So if you see any player in Chelsea today, it means the manager approves of it and the manager wants to work with the player. That's what I feel. And... Uh, Zanidane Zidane will come. No manager will come in and not struggle with this kind of injury situation. Yeah, when my guy was say, talking the other time, he listed three key things that are affecting Chelsea. Spot on. Spot on. Ingolo Kante is one of them. They need to move on from him. Uh, signing new contracts with this kind of injury issues does not make sense. They should let him go. The wing-backs, they are injury-prone. James and Chiwell. Or they should switch back to back four. And then I don't know what is wrong with Kikurela. Probably is fun thing. He's going to get, get back to it. There are new guys in now. Give him time. Bringing a new manager with pedigree and all. Is you going back to the Abramovic era? That's you going backward. Everyone is on a project uh, season now. Everybody, the manager is the project now, not, not the players anymore. People are trying to be patient with the manager. People are trying to give the manager time to build a team. I don't think they should bring in uh, an experienced manager, no. I think they should allow Potter to grow on the job, do something differently for once. Firing manager all the time, stop gap, get a trophy now, go on a draft next season, fire him. Are we not tired of that? No, I, I don't wish Chelsea well, but I, I think that they should be patient with Potter. They'll get a lot of results and they will reap a lot of goods from it. That's my two cents. Sorry, just just a just a, sorry. Uh, there was an interview, uh, funny enough, by by Tuko. I think it, it was by um some in I don't know if it's in India or some somewhere out east though. And he was talking about like um projects and how uh the definition of what a project is for for managers. And it's like what what he was saying to paraphrase was, uh, the project is going to only come into fruition if you win games you have to have some form of success short-term success and this is i think we, we had even talked about it i think a year ago there was like an interview even by um andres villas boas and he mm-hmm. talked about this the same yeah exactly yeah. remember it was like there is no project in football the project is you you, you win your your next game that's that's where it is Morta, uh, so what we say from arsenal now what we saw from arsenal over i guess the, the past season was okay they were able to give some maybe a longer term view if i promise you if ateta had lost that that game that we was we won against uh chelsea in december um that was i think it was 4-2 if i remember correctly if they had lost that game he would have gotten fired and he would have been right to have gotten fired the thing but the thing is like like what, what uh, tuka was saying and villas boas was saying is you have to win your games and rightly so like chelsea should give um potter some time good and fine but if they keep losing games, at what what's, what are they now? Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth? I don't know something. If they keep yeah, joining down, yeah, like it, it's it's you you can't you cannot justify giving time to something that doesn't have at least the the fledglings of of some form of 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 results. That's a valid point. That's you know, valid point. Ateta won the pickup in his first six exactly, months, and I think that that gave him uh, some buffer. That gave him enough cushion for him to uh, rely on when the results 
didn't didn't go his way. So it was easy for everyone to think the manager that gave us that kind of results at that time in six months delivered an FA Cup is not suddenly bad. So probably there there, uh, there were some players needed to get rid of. He got rid of them, and I think the team is better for it. But I still insist that there is something about Potter that the team should be patient about. Give him a little time. Give him little time. You can't expect him to. Virtually all his game changers are on the injury. T- uh, 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 they are What do you want him to do? <laughs> so what do you want him to do? I, I really I, like. Not like I'm. I'm uh, not like I want them to do well. Really, no. They are not my favorite thing. But for the love of football, I don't think they should fire Potter just yet. If they do, another team is going to come in. Uh, another manager is going to come in bringing another culture, they're going to have to wait again. And a lot of people have moved on. Look at Newcastle. People have moved on. Newcastle is going to, they're going to leave that top four completely because they're not going to finish in top four this season. There's no way in hell. I don't see them in the top four this season. It's not possible. I think Manchester United has taken that fourth spot. And with the way they're going... I will say never, man. The, no, the kind of culture Tenag is still in that club. The kind of... No, but, but United, United can be in the top four and Newcastle are there too. Right, because it is basically top two are going to be Arsenal and Man City. You don't know who's going to be first and second. There's going to be those two, and United will probably be third. So Newcastle could be fourth. You never can tell. They could finish fourth. By the time, by the time no, still by the time Europa football starts again, uh, Champions League starts again. All these so-called teams you think are so energetic start dropping points, and that's when Newcastle Newcastle might start to edge because they don't even have a team. They're out of the FA Cup now. They're out of the FA Cup now. So there's nothing to play for. Is the league? They're no longer in the FA Cup. They're no longer in the League Cup. Yeah. Their only responsibility is the league. So yeah. I really give it to Newcastle. Newcastle will finish third or fourth at worst. And then Manchester yeah. United will take the third spot. So yeah. for me, I think that is it. All right. Now, moving on to... No, sorry, Ewan. Moving on to projects. There was a new project in town, in, in, in Turin, in Juve. Allegri came back first season. They finished fourth after sacking Perlo, who, you know, why somebody who was given under 21 two weeks later or five days later they gave him the manager role Allegri did I, I think it was below average last season even this season they started and they've been trying to play this like um, AY would say egalitarian style of football it is not Allegri that is not him he wins 1-0 that is how he knows how to win and that is what he has done eight straight wins eight straight clean sheets and they've moved up to second position um, Napoli, I think, just before, you know, as we came in, they were leading 2-0. I don't know what the score is right now. You know, the match should be over. And AC Milan... It ended 2-0. So, okay, ended 2-0. Okay, so... And AC Milan was going to start. Um, uh, Allegri. Like I said, there's a, there's a big manager waiting somewhere around the corner. We know that even Zizou had had Juve ties. But right now, Allegri keeps, keeps winning. And he has won the Scudetto with Juve. He has won the Scudetto with AC Milan. He's been he's a veteran Italian coach. He, he's been there, done it. This Serie A title is going to be exciting, right? Let yes, me ask you, Folu. Let me ask you, Folu. Sorry. Um, well... I'm happy to see that um, Juve is coming back because uh, 
the past two seasons have been three seasons thereabout has been horrible for them. And um, while it's also quite interesting because everyone seems to be picking up one time it was um AC Milan seeming to be picking and now Inter then Napoli. So um I think it's becoming more exciting and more challenging um in the past few years, um, the Italian league. So it's quite promising and um I'm still um, hoping that um, Napoli can pull through and um, win the league, but uh, <clears throat> it seems unlikely. But uh, well, let's see how the transfer windows goes and um, see if they can um, add to their squad. I know Napoli have very, very few injuries and uh, they can manage the situation. So uh, quite hopeful for them to win the league. Okay. So with um, with with um. With for 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 the Syria with um Kiesa coming back into the Juve team, Napoli, like you rightly said, have little to no injuries. Osimen looking like the best forward in um in Syria. Um Ramsey, who is going to win this title? Is he our boy, Osimen, or is it going to be the old lady? Okay, so I've seen a lot of Juventus game, and I tell you for free that they are not exciting to watch. They are, ter- they are horrible to watch. You don't. But they see both have been horrible uh, to watch. Well, at some point, they <laughs> were entertaining. Since Allegri came back, yes, they've gone on a run of games, and it's been one zero one zero late goals. The, the last two games that I saw, late goals deep into extra time for them to get those goals. And it's because the opposition didn't take their chances. So I really don't see these Juventus winning the league. I would want Napoli to win it. Um, I, my team in the Serie A is AC Milan. Uh, but AC Milan flatter to deceive most times. They've done it last season. I think they, they are not interested this season. And Inter Milan can, like you saw them yesterday against Monza. I really don't. I really don't see them doing anything they serious. So I really don't trust their manager. Really, to be very honest, I don't trust Inter manager. I don't think Inzaghi has what it takes to to win the title. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. They have the players. Really, they are they are equipped for it. But I don't see them winning. So for me, it's between Juventus and uh, it's between Juventus and Napoli. Napoli because. There's something different about them. This I think they fixed a lot. They are very lucky with injuries, like you rightly mentioned. Very lucky with injuries. They're not having players off for a long time like the rest of them. But one thing is that you cannot take away from Juventus is experience. And that experience might just be the difference at the end of the day. Their style of play, you won't like it. But they're getting results 1-0. You might say they're lucky at some point because the the, the free kick that uh, Milik scored the other day, the goalkeeper should have kept it out. And then their goal against Udinese should have also been kept out. But, yo, six points, back-to-back wins. They can just go on like that. 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. And before you know it, they're champions again. Well, they've not been champions in how many seasons now? Three just seasons two. now. I think this is two. Inter won one. AC won one. Okay, one, maybe yeah. Napoli is just doing this one, and so that they can they can they cannot come back to Juventus really. All but right. it's between. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, let, let's move to La Liga. Fine. Let's move to La Liga for football. Um, Real Madrid. Yeah, they're not doing anything. They've not done anything all season. That's just the truth. 
the only game they've done something in has been in the Classico and they dealt with Barcelona like kids. But generally, they've not done anything. And they lost. Villarreal, they played 0-0 last season against Villarreal home and away. Emery killed them. This time around, it was Kike Sentien. And they just, they looked off. They just looked like they want to win the league. <laughs> um, hey, what's going on with Real Madrid? When will they get their acts right? Uh, we should be used to Real Madrid now. Uh, they usually turn on the school around February, March. So, this is how they've always been. I mean, go back to your history books. They've always been like this. Uh, they're just always casual in the early parts of the season and they just turn it up in February and, and they usually go far. Uh, I think I saw Barcelona this midweek in the, in the Copa del Rey. They played some yeah, top yeah. team and, and they, they struggled to win. So, it's not like Barcelona are better. So, I don't know. I, I still I still feel Real will win the Champions League. Maybe they'll they'll get to the semi-finals or something. But I, I still I still feel they'll win the league. Barcelona just I don't know. They're just pants right now. Um, um, do you think Do you think um, um Fulu, Do you think Atletico Madrid can go on a one new one new run and you know challenge for the league and maybe win the league this season, Fulu? Um, right now, um, I still believe in. I still think Madrid will just pull it up because really they always do it um, from like the last two three months of the season, however the situation. So um, right now, I still think I still strongly believe Madrid will to win the league. And um, even for Barcelona, I don't even think they will be second. I think Atletico can pull. Um, Pull one on them and then the second, but um, I don't see Atletico winning it. I, I honestly don't. I, however, the situation Madrid can play badly and get the, the results, and I think they'll start getting good results from like very soon more better games, more intensity. So, I don't think Atletico stand the chance, uh, though they have a good squad and a manager that understands them, but. Uh, I think the best they can do is just to be the top two uh, or top three, but I don't think they can win it. All right. All right. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Fulu. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Till next week. All right. All right, till next week. Okay, so um, Naomi Osaka, that babe, let me, let me, speak, let me speak it like me, Nigerian. I heard the touch. <laughs> What's going to Yeah, I heard a touch. Now, in, in terms of, we all know, at least we have an idea of the rigors, the mental rigors of a top-level athlete. Now, I'm talking across board. It is difficult for them to reach that level physically, mentally. And of course, people always talk about the fuck in the road, that fuck in the road moments that made them either become the athletes they are today in terms of, you know, playing at the top level or... You know, going by the waste wayside. Of course, luck comes into it, and a lot of things, meant preparations and stuff. Now, you as a young girl, you've prepared so well for for this level of of you know of of play. You've become world number one. You're the next big thing. You are you're an American. You're an Asian. So you have the two markets in your pocket, and she can't handle it, and she's starts projecting to me nonsense all over the place. 
yes they will say it's a state of mental health and stuff but for you to be at this level your mental health has to be insane and if you're not ready for that mental level of you know thinking i think you should i think you should just cut your tie cut the ties and move on you've made a lot a lot of money already move on I mean, i'll I mean, start with the ram let me start I mean, with the rams okay rams okay cool Okay, so for Nami yeah. Pardon? We're still on Nami Osaka, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so I, I don't know what is wrong with her. I think that she needs a new coach. She needs uh, someone that can talk to her, really. The potential is there. She has written it takes to reach that high ceiling that we also when she started but coming up with issues all the time she was one that came with mental issues one time because somebody said something to her and then at some point she saw that somebody was going to was stronger in the tournament she pulled out and then again she's pulling out of the tournament we all thought was going to be the big comeback for her i'm disappointed because i'm a very big fan i've been a big fan since day one and she keeps letting me down i i can be really emotional about it because i really i, I love her so much and i strongly believe that she has excellence but with the way she's going, I'm not sure she's going to get there. She's just going to be one of those people who like, oh, she would have been great if, 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 if she hmm. doesn't stop all these antics, she's not going to get anywhere. She's just going to be like Kiriakos for men. Mm-hmm. Huge mm-hmm. potential, zero yeah. results. That is how mm. it's looking like for now. And it's really hurtful. It's really, really hurtful. Hurtful to say the least. Hey, why? I mean, I don't know. If she says she's got mental health issues, then she's got mental health issues. But uh, I believe, uh, was it two weeks ago, she was on a, she was on a, a jaunt to Europe with uh, a boyfriend called Day. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've had a bit, a bit of a, I don't know, I wouldn't say mental breakdown before, but I've been upset a couple of times, but I don't think... I think going on a holiday with a loved one when you're mentally down, I don't know, I don't know how that looks. Uh, but of course, I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychiatrist, so it's not for me to diagnose. Uh, if she says she's got mental health issues, then she's got mental health issues. I mean, she's the one losing money, not me, so. Let <laughs> her <laughs> do whatever she do. I mean, the world is not going to stop because of Naomi Osaka. So if she doesn't take the opportunity to win all the Grand Slams she can win right now, in the next two, three years, when there's a new kid on the block, you know, wiping the floor with her ass, then she'll, she'll regret this moment that she took. But there is a new kid. But there is what? a new kid. There is a new number. There what? is a new She was a number one once upon a time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, she's still, she's 25, so she can still compete, right? But if she keeps doing this, she's making it harder for herself to come back and to compete. And, and the way sports is, if you don't take your chance when you have it, you know, by the time you're probably ready and fighting to take the chance, too late, your body might start failing you. And then you're going to regret moments like this when you had a chance. I mean, I'll, I'll go to a typical example. A typical example is Michael Jordan, right? So Michael Jordan won... Uh, I believe the NBA title in 90, 91, 92. And then they took this break off basketball, right? And said, oh, I've got tired of basketball. I lost my dad. I want, I want to take time off. Try to play baseball, right? 
So the two years it was out, the Houston Rockets won the league back to back. And then he came back and then he won two titles, right? So now, if he had not gone for those two years, he probably would have had, you know, eight rings. Who knows? Okay? We'll never know. We'll never know. Never know. So that's a stain on his... We'll never know. So that's just it. And of, of course, I mean, I don't mind because my, my own boy, Akim Olajuwon, will lose the opportunity to win two titles. But the point is, if you take time off and you say you want to deal with this, you want to deal with that, the sport is not going to wait for you. So you, if you go, it's it's your loss, really. It's your loss. Yeah. Okay, so shift, um, shifting... Okay, I think, she, I think she, yeah, I think she needs like a new drive, a new form of motivation because uh, I know she really wanted to get to the top, and you know, um, getting to the top is one, and keeping it is two. So that mm. consistency, that motivation to keep pushing, I think um, um, that is not there anymore. So um, maybe a team, they need to find a way to be able to keep her motivated, to keep her driven. You know, because uh, like I said, getting to the top is way easier than maintaining that spot. So um, I think the whole team needs to help keep that drive and um, keep her fully motivated. So I think that's probably what she needs for now. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point from you, Polo. All right. Oh, the segue in, we'll segue to the NBA, you know. Celtics keep winning. We keep. It's, it's it's like that's the only thing we say. Celtic keep winning. Yeah, Lakers won five in a row. LeBron James scoring almost forty points every game. Um, what's what's causing this? You know, everybody keeps scoring. Yes, Donovan Mitchell scored seventy-one the other day. Yeah, you know? yeah and it was yeah. it was a difficult game. It wasn't even just like you know they, they, they blew those guys out of the water. So what's uh, this? Well, 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 they had double overtime though. So. Yes, so it was a tough game. It was a tough game. Yeah, of course. In the first half, and then he he went on a on a crazy run, and it wasn't like he scored like fourteen threes or something, you know. They were, you know. Yeah, so what's so what's causing this for scoring scourge in the NBA? Uh, yeah, the the league has uh, has become a lot more. Offensive. I mean, I saw it start like uh, earlier this week. Um, I might miss the numbers a little bit, but in the last year that Jordan was in the NBA, uh, um, I believe the most offensive team had 102 points per, per game, I think, something like that. But this year, the, most, the worst offensive team has 109 per game. So that means the worst offensive team this year would have been the most offensive team in 1998. So the league has become very offensive. That's one. <laughs> Two, uh, everybody plays small, small basketball, small ball now. So you have less big men on the on the floor, so it's less defensive, right? So and then the the, the foul change rules and all that has made it a lot more. Uh, I think that would be the. Uh, Are the players more skilled? Mm, well, if the league is less defensive, then uh, offensive players get more points. They are less; they are more protected by the refs, by the officials, uh, so they get more points. And people go more people go more to the free throw line, right? Because they call more fouls now. So it's all it's all comes together, sort of. 
but with everyone just knocking 50 every week i mean it's it's just uh it's just a freak situation i don't think it's gonna continue so that, that's just it really. but you know if you look at uh uh don't you just it's just on fire right now so i mean tatum you know week in week out lebron so i mean I, I, I get where the, the question is coming from, but I just I just think it's the way the league is right now. It's totally different from the nineties. Do you think because most styles of basketball, especially the European style of basketball, which is more of an academy style, you know, they learn the fundamentals. And so you can see like a Jokic, you can see a Doncic, Yanis, all those kind of guys, even an Embiid, those international players as they call them coming to the league with their own styles and they are already sound fundamentally you know they are not of they are not really as athletic as these other guys the americans and then you know it's really creating a lot of guys to score those points they can beat you with different styles you know either the euro step this 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 whatever they can open up lanes passing lanes they can find the right passes you know and they're making better decisions so do you think that 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 you know those overall should i say traits have helped you know in making this scoring surge because everybody's scoring 50 everybody's scoring 40 everybody's having career highs this season you know uh well yeah europeans are less physical so the uh the more you have more europeans in the league the more you embrace more european style of basketball you know this, this is inevitable because uh, the American players tend to be more physical because they tend to be bigger, right? So they tend to be more physical. They more, they more, you know, the defensive end. They they play hard. Let me put it that way. I mean, this is not to say Europeans don't play hard. I think Giannis plays real hard. I mean, European, right? So, but I get where you're where you're coming from. The league is more, uh, more international now. They've embraced more coaching from outside the US you know uh, Nick Norris is, 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 is British I think uh, you have mm-hmm. more coaches from yeah you have more coaches from outside the US now so they've come in with their own different styles and that's also of the, the, the league so you're right that could be a factor yeah. oh okay all right um, thank you very much AY thank you very much for all the you know uh, Ramsey that was here, Luashego, Fulu and everybody. Um, my name is Iboko. Thank you for thank you for bit for for between the lines. Make sure you check us out on all platforms. We we um we drop every episode on Monday by 10 a.m. Um thank you very much guys and good night. Yeah, take care guys.